0: Hey Tim, how's it going?
1: Hey David, it's going fantastic. You know, just plugging away, doing my thing, and uh got my trusty podcasting dog sitting down here out of view.
0: What's your dog's he name?
1: Uh, it's Sylvester, which Sylvester. is uh yeah, which is kind of a cat's name. I'm not sure why the kids named it that, but uh
0: It's cool. I had a bird named Squirtle and Squirtle was a turtle, so
1: Oh, yeah, well there you go. But we're crossing uh, species lines here. He's like trans species. Or something. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> so we wanted to talk about, I guess, aspects of the libertarian leadership or the libertarian party. Cause you had mentioned that you sent out this, uh, you sent out a letter or something to the libertarian membership saying that you need to recommit to radicalism. Which you know you know Ayn Rand definitely agrees with, I agree with that being radical is important, and being like stuck like you know principled yeah, but you said you were telling me you had some interesting feedback and and criticism, so I'm interested to kind of get into it and then kind of use it as a framework to talk potentially about the movement, uh you know generally
1: sure, sure, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, this is you know libertarian. Uh, infighting or conflict is, you know, it's uh, it's not something <laughs> something new. Right. Uh, you know, back in the '70s, it was recognized early in the U.S. Libertarian Party, and they came up with something called uh, the Dallas Accord, where you know, back then it was essentially between anarchists and and minarchists. Right. And they basically said, look, we focus on all the things that we agree on, which is 95%. Right. And once we get those things, then we can focus on the 5% of the area where we, where we disagree. Right. And uh, that was considered the Dallas Accord. And so that kind of gets trotted out quite often when there's disagreements. Uh, that but you know, inherently
0: pragmatic though?
1: Well, yeah, it is. It's, it, it is <laughs> practical, right? It's, it's practical. I, I like, okay. I, hesitate to conflate, um, that with pragmatism and right. practicality, right? Cause quite often yeah. pragma- pragmatism is something else, but there right. are practical things you can do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think that pragmatism isn't all that practical. I guess that's my big complaint with, yeah. with that as a strategy, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So if you're, so yeah. So if your strategy is to, you know like I, I take a particular tact of and, and I've said it on here numerous times, so pardon me listeners if you're hearing this again, but uh, government is downstream from culture culture yeah. is located in the hearts and minds of individuals. I have a part of it you have a part of it uh, it's so and, and so uh if we want to change government, we have to change culture, which means we have to change hearts and minds, which means one at a time and yeah. so Uh, you know, one strategy. So if you believe that, then the the idea that we can advance liberty by getting votes, well, that's not going to change culture. How is getting votes going to change culture? In fact, you have to amplify and reflect culture to get votes. Right. So how is that going to get us limited government? We're going to form a majority government and not be able to do anything. Like we're just going to get popularity and impotence at the same time. Uh, and so, you know, to me, the strategy that makes most sense is to make more libertarians to get right. introduce more people to the philosophy. Try to shift culture that direction, one heart and mind at a time. I was able to go from being a rabid statist to a libertarian, so I have to believe that other people are capable of making that uh, mm-hmm. shift as well. So that's yeah. the, the the approach I take. So I and and to, you know, again, we could talk about what are the what's the right strategy to. Uh, communicate with people to effectively convert them to libertarians. Okay. Now you can make an argument that maybe a tempered down approach, a soft approach is the best way to go. I'm open to hearing that. I think, Mm. you know, for myself, it was hearing the radical message. this the unapologetic, uh, what these people believe and what they're promoting and not watering it down. Yeah. Uh, That was what converted me. It uh, wasn't someone promoting a 15% flat tax or something like that. Right. It's like, oh my God, you know, what is this flat tax thing? 15%? That's a little bit less than what we have right now. <laughs> what does that mean? Right? Like yeah. that just would never have convinced me or I would never even have paid attention to it. Right? right. So, exactly. so, so that's my starting point. So, you know, so I, I, yeah, I had two, two kind of critics.
0: Wait, wait, let's uh, go. This, Okay, go, go ahead. Go back of it before you get into the criticisms, because you had mentioned the Dallas Accord, and then we didn't actually connect that, nor did we say that you actually. What like what did you send out? What was the thing you sent out that this was criticism? That this criticism was in response to? Uh, I
1: so I sent out a letter, and I uh, let me just see if I can find it here, um, and I'll, I'll actually read it to you. Um,
0: while you While you're looking for that, does the doubt you mentioned the Dallas Accord before I interrupted was that just to kind of call that libertarians are consistently still like bringing it up to say, "Hey, like we know we disagree on some of these major some of these in our opinion major things, but it's really five to ten percent. Let's still focus on everything else
1: yeah i mean that that's something that a guy like me who who wants people working together uh towards the same goal will bring mm. up quite often, right? Because we tend to focus on the minutiae and yeah. fixate on differences rather than focus on getting things done and yeah. things that we agree with. Right. Mm. So, okay, here, here is the letter I sent out to, to libertarians. All
0: right. uh,
1: Dear X, I have a feeling that the next election is going to be a breakout year for the libertarian party of Canada. Pragmatic libertarians, are learning that soft-selling liberty gets about as many votes as being radical without the benefit of making more libertarians. The PPC, the PPC got the same percentage of votes the Libertarian Party typically gets in ridings where we run candidates, but mm-hmm. there aren't more libertarians in Canada as a result of the PPC. Right. In the U.S., Johnson and Weld didn't do appreciably better than radical presidential candidates would have. And there aren't more libertarians as a result of their candidacy. In other words, pragmatic libertarians are learning that culture matters more than electoral success, or at least that if you're going to put up libertarian numbers, you might as well have a clear libertarian (laughs) message. While pragmatic libertarians are learning that radicalism is more practical than vote chasing, radical libertarians are learning that sitting on the political sidelines isn't practical either. Radical libertarian heavy hitters like Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Scott Horton, and Stefan Kinsella are joining the U.S. Libertarian Party and bringing the libertarian movement into the Libertarian Party. In the past, they have all criticized the USLP for fielding presidential candidates who don't seem to understand libertarianism and lack the radicalism of Ron Paul. They realize the only way to change this was to get involved and bring their supporters into the party. That is the standard bearer of their philosophy. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a pragmatic libertarian who realizes that making more libertarians is the most practical thing you can do, or a radical libertarian who realizes that involvement with the libertarian party can help create more libertarians, my challenge to you is to get involved. We need to start preparing for the next election. And then I, I List some of the ways they can get involved. I link them to uh, a Rothbard uh, a Rothbard essay on radicalism called "Do You Hate the State?" and so on. So, mm-hmm. and actually, that letter exactly expresses <laughs> the the kind of critics I was getting this week. Because I, in yeah. response to that letter, I got a pragmatic libertarian send me a letter and. Yeah. I, I can read that, that to you as well, but I also got one of the, those radicals, uh, kind of give me a dismissive beat down on
0: Twitter or something like that. So you're you're um, essentially trying to say like whether people love it or not, the Libertarian Party, in terms of in the culture, is an important like an important lightning rod, right? And like we yeah. need to all agree that this whether like that is that this is important, right? That if you want to make more libertarians, this is a useful and important institution and it's having a central institution does help spread a message.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So if, if you, um, think the government is downstream from culture and if you think culture comes from changing hearts and minds and ideas, uh, then, and, and you're a libertarian, well then the libertarian party is probably the most important is probably doing the most important work of any political party in Canada we're doing we're having the biggest impact on government on culture mm-hmm. towards liberty uh, there's no other party so that that is a practical thing um, and well, so whether I have to you're, say you're that
0: I'm fairly convinced i I'm thinking, oh should I join the libertarian party pay my ten dollar or whatever it is dues Yes,
1: you should of course <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, of course, the frustrating part then is you got to work as a team with a bunch of libertarians. And, you know, if I like if libertarians could just figure out how to work together um, and put aside like the the small differences we have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, we might be able to get somewhere. Uh, <laughs>
0: but, but okay, yeah. so you make this case both for pragmatic libertarians to and, come back to the party. They, the PPC doesn't work anyways. Being pragmatic doesn't actually work. And you made a case for the radical libertarians to who, you know, go at the party to say, no, you should join. Um, because this is the way to make more libertarians. And so you get now obviously criticism.
1: I get criticism, you know, it, it's not, and I, I won't say this is criticism so much as, um, you know, this was actually a fairly polite letter uh, mm with the guy trying to make his case for uh, what his version of pragmatism, which is what I think of as a prag- pragmatic libertarian, someone who's trying to get more votes. So I'll, I'll read you his thing. Uh, he he I'll, I'll skip the personal information, but he says, I'm one of those pragmatic libertarians you speak of. In your previous email, you equated us to that of American libertarians, and you pointed out successes that said American libertarians have had. However, we're not American. We as a nation do not hold the same values as Americans. And I truly believe we will never share all our values with our Southern neighbors. A case in point in 2010, Tommy Douglas was voted the greatest Canadian for introducing Medicare while across the border. Americans are still expressing their displeasure in regards to Obamacare. Okay. So right away, he's kind of misunderstanding or creating a bit of a straw man in his head about what the point I was trying to make. Um, you know it, and for my like, part i
0: do think american values are very important and good
1: right right and and you know i'm not you know he he's thinking that i'm comparing us with like the I, he's thinking that i'm noticing some success the american libertarians are having i'm not they're they're not having any right. more success than we are right uh but i'm pointing out that uh, that the pragmatism isn't getting them any more success than radicalism in right. terms of votes. If that's what your metric of success is, right. but maybe being radical will get you more hearts and minds, right. even if it, right. So I'm, I'm not making it. So right away here, he just can't extricate himself from this idea that voting is what matters, that getting, collecting votes is what matters. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now to the point, I'd like to see a more tempered campaign platform. Some examples are, tax rates i do not believe a voluntary head tax is at all feasible i live in northern ontario where we have a very large indigenous population i've only met two individuals in my entire life who have refused status cards solely on a moral basis if this is any indication of how many people how many people would pay taxes then tim we have a serious problem a 15 percent flat tax with a simplified return to be much more feasible beginning to the libertarian dream um yeah. And, you know, obviously <laughs> we're, we're not going to go from uh, whatever tax rate we have now to zero percent overnight. Yeah. Right. There's going to be some intermediary steps, but we don't get those incremental steps unless we're radical. Right. Um, you know, and, he, and he's fight
0: for 15, you get 30.
1: <laughs> right. Right. At at best. So, right. yeah. uh, and you certainly don't get any libertarians. You just get a bunch of people who want to pay less taxes. Exactly. Uh, right. So, so, okay and okay the next point is firearms now let me be the first to say i love my guns i believe protecting our current gun rights is paramount to the protection of our liberty however if we want to appeal to one of the most rational nations uh perhaps a concealed carry is a little bit rash if you look at gun homicide death rates per capita between the usa and canada the numbers are undeniable i understand that you Still had a training aspect to our concealed carry, so this is isn't a flawless comparison. But this is what a lot of people see. That being said, I believe a little ambiguity would go a long way with voters in regards to our gun policy. Okay, so he wants us to soft pedal guns again. Basically, let's he wants keep you to it. to be more
0: ambiguous, less clear.
1: Right. Let's let's be basically status quo here. Yeah. Um, on the guns, right? Which is like all these things are, are rational approaches if you're trying to win an election, right? Like th- this is essentially, he's basically advocating for what the Conservative Party platform is uh, well, right now. I was going
0: to actually ask, is it like, because the Conservative Party essentially still wants bigger government, as I understand it, right? They just want well, slower, bigger government.
1: I, I, I would argue that they want smaller government. I would argue that there's okay. a lot of libertarians in the conservative party that are pragmatic, that are trying to get smaller government, but yet under their administration, government continues to grow because mm-hmm. their strategy is idiotic because their strategy is winning elections.
0: So, so, yeah, so and so they, bring, they go ahead. The reason I bring it up is I'm wondering if people who genuinely just want smaller government that aren't libertarians but they just genuinely want a small government in in you know this way is there no other option so they they become libertarians because it's the it's the it's the closest even though they don't actually believe in even minarchy they they I
1: see what you're saying. Yeah, so maybe this guy is a conservative and he's just like he realizes the conservative
0: yeah. party isn't conservative. I, I mean the, or to,
1: to be fair, this guy ran as a candidate for me uh, for the okay. party. And he ran on a, on my last platform. So, I mean, I can't mm. slam this guy too much. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think like, I, I bring up this letter not to slam this guy or anything. I bring no. I, I bring this up to bring out how prevalent this pragmatic thinking is Yeah, all, all the way, how we can't emerge from it. Right. And, and how he well, we totally misunderstands my letter.
0: And I think the important thing is that, yeah, when I'm going to, the way to change the world is in the conversations I have with people who I stick to my principles, my radical principles, and they wonder why. And then it's an interesting conversation. And they right. start to think. If I'm advocating yes. just slightly different things than everyone else, then it it's like, you one, you can barely defend it. And two, it doesn't even garner conversation. Oh, you think there should be slightly lower tax? No, I think tax is immoral. Oh, well, that's an interesting (laughs) viewpoint. I've not thought of before. Let's talk about that. I think the slaves
1: should pick 15% less cotton Right, because I'm an abolitionist.
0: Exactly. And so, (laughs) and I think that is still people, especially in Canada, my belief is that people think the state is like, the, the mothership, right things have to come right. down from the state, so you have to yeah. get that position of power, and I think that is where the pragmatism comes from is uh, they literally are misjudging reality
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and uh, let me just go on with this letter I mean so yeah. he he he's talking first of all it, you know he's talking about gun homicide deaths per capita between the u s and Canada in this paragraph uh, you know if if you're a libertarian candidate, I would hope that you have. I mean, part of the problem might be that he doesn't have understand the arguments and can't can't debate these issues very well because he mm. just hasn't read that much about them. And this this right. is something I think a lot of candidates go through, right? And it's difficult, right? So so I mean, yeah, we, we and- have our own peer reviewed researcher in Canada, Dr. Kalen Langman, who has looked at these numbers. Um, and yes, the, the homicide rate gun homicide rate is higher in the U S but if you look at violent crime rates, um, you know, in areas of Canada, they are actually much higher in the U S in areas where there's no gun control, uh, you know, gun homicide tests are like, there's all sorts of ways why this doesn't tell the. this is a propaganda piece of looking at gun homicides only as your example. I mean, we just had the, the, uh, the The Virginia gun rally, right, mm-hmm. and twenty or thirty thousand people. It was a polite <laughs> time, right? It was right. a highly armed organization. You didn't see people getting pepper sprayed by police or manhandled right. by police, so the police were polite. I wonder why. Uh, but also, <laughs> everyone else was polite, and I wonder why everyone else was polite because they were right. surrounded by a bunch of patriots who, who were willing are willing to do enact justice immediately mm-hmm. and have the means to do it. Right, so even if you're a bad guy with nefarious intent, want to create stuff like that's not the place you're going to do it. Right, anyways, I mean, I I just put that as an aside. Like libertarian candidates learn the arguments for these things so that you can address them. You you can shift things away from. We don't want to just look at gun homicide rates. We want to look at overall violence because all violence and all homicide is bad. And do does gun law change violence? No, it doesn't. And Kalen Langman's Mm -hmm. thing made it peer-reviewed research shows out very clearly that legislation doesn't doesn't solve violence nor does it um make things more violent right so Mm -hmm. the best we can say about gun legislation is it doesn't have much of any effect on violence but
0: i do have one kind of uh i don't know gripe is the right word one issue with that because it is the degree of like the degree of the violence matters right if i'm an angry person with a gun I can do more damage, right? So there right, is... but we're
1: talking about homicide rates here as well as mm. assault rates, right? So he's looked at both and yeah. these rates don't change appreciably whether you have legislation or not okay. um, is what he found in Canada, right? So, yes. uh, you know, and, and as a libertarian, we have to understand again um, that violence... The, the root causes of violence are not the weapons you have. It's the society you're in. It's the yeah. ideas you have in your head. It's the culture you're immersed in. It's all these yeah. things. And the state ruins that. The state contributes to that. And you need to be able to argue this. You need mm-hmm. to be able to talk about this, right? So And you need to be able to defend this to be an effective think- communicator.
0: I think that's the hardest thing the libertarian party faces is to be good libertarian candidate yes. is a lot harder than to be a good liberal it or is, a good yeah. conservative candidate. And you and, have to that, understand the principles right. and the arguments. And I mean, and I, take though,
1: o- and I take ownership over this David, because I could have been running workshops. I could have been running. Yeah. Uh, how do you address these different points asking questions? But I didn't, I, yeah. I was too busy with work and other things and just, you know, Uh, Right. And it's really need
0: to have like the libert like, and it's also, I mean, there's no, you can learn liberal policies and liberal thinking in universities, right? There are thousands upon thousands of people graduating with these, uh, these ideas well thought out every year, but there's not people graduating with libertarian principles. So you need like an educational establishment. David, did we
1: just come up with a business plan, a business idea here? (laughs) Libertarian University?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well. You Holy gotta shit, start folks! You heard right? it here. This is where the idea
1: was planted. When we look back ten years from now at our empire, uh, this will be the moment.
0: But <laughs> okay. So I do think it's it is difficult, right? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, it's so difficult.
1: Okay. Let me let me go on with this. I I want to read this and I want to read my response and then talk about the other two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last but certainly not least is healthcare. This is a real tough nut to crack, so all I can do is voice my personal experience on the issue. I understand that the Western provinces are a little more right-wing, so I can't speak to your experiences. The phrase, repeal the Federal Canada Health Act, is not, in my belief, something that conveys our central ideals and certainly does not help us with the average Canadian voter. I understand that this leaves provincial health care... and, and that small governments are often better at taking care of these kinds of things. But again, the voting public will not see that. What they see is repeal the Canada healthcare act. Our right to life is synonymous with universal health care. It may be, it may not be a libertarian value, but it is a Canadian value and it will not be the one that is given up willingly. The only success I had during the election with healthcare based uh, discussions is bringing in that, uh, of two tier health systems we have examples of success such as australia and several scandinavian countries okay so he's you know he's bringing up some decent points here in that you know you even when we're communicating this these ideas we want to be careful right but people smell right through it anyways like i talked yeah. about how i just want to legalize healthcare in Canada, like how I couldn't get a blood test. It was illegal for me to. And I want to open up the market to these things. And, you know, I even talked about like, let's leave. I'm not interested in dismantling the public system. I'm interested in just legalizing things. Uh, And uh, someone stood up at, at, at at this candidates forum and said, this is the libertarian uh, candidate. I just want to say you can take my universal healthcare and pry it from my cold dad hands. Drops the mic and the crowd erupts in applause. This is tough. This is tough stuff we're doing. It's difficult. We're going to get booed. You know, this is not easy. There's no, and that's my point. Like I tried to soft sell it there and just like ease my way into it and understand this is going to be difficult for people to hear. And you can't, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, I would have been just better off saying, you know, like healthcare is not a right. Like you don't have a right to my labor. I'm a paramedic. I give healthcare. I will give you healthcare uh, for free quite often, especially in an emergency. But at the end of the day, I have to pay my bills and I would rather work in a model where I can provide value directly to customers rather than have, like I'd rather work for patients than for the government because that, you know, anyways. Uh, Before I close, I would like to take a minute to say, it's 2020. Mr. Moen, what you write on the internet is more important than anything I say. I understand that Alberta is a, more concert, is a lot more conservative, but I'm coming from a riding where we have not had a conservative MP since 1931. The unfortunate reality of our system is that the Western provinces have less impact in the grand scheme of things than the Eastern ones, something I hope to correct. And while what you say may be very appealing in the West, it's not appealing here. The PPC's centralist policies would have worked if not for the xenophobia and fascism splashed in. Let's play on their success and stay away from their failure. Let's bring rational, pragmatic Canadian thinking to our platform. Thank you very much for your time and dedication to the party. So very, uh, very, very polite. And he, he actually makes a lot of good points here, right? It's um,
0: uh, I know, don't think uh, so. Like, I- well... <clears throat>
1: Well, no, he, he, the the thing I will say he makes a good point on is it's important what I write on the internet. And it's yeah. important to recognize that, yeah, I probably do play to more of a conservative audience than I do a left-wing audience just because of where I, I am situated and but my, also my where social media. The
0: Libertarian media Party are. is viewed, right? It's a view, like, <laughs> that's true as well, yeah.
1: It's but but there I, I always try to glean something out of this, and maybe there's messages I can make to the left. I mean, I probably would have been more of a leftist uh, before I became a libertarian than a conservative. Yeah, and that's what you know, I was. You know, I I was more concerned about the things that uh, you know like uh, Bill Maher was concerned about than I was about uh, yeah. a Rush Limbaugh or something like that I thought those yeah. I thought most conservatives were blowhards and enemies to freedom anyways like yeah. everyone I ever saw calling for censorship growing up were conservative voices yeah. um, and so they, they always and seem to women. me to be synonymous with jackboots then but you know yeah. so I'm sure there's other people that are leftist leaning that would probably be open to it. And I think I turned out to be a pretty good asset to libertarians. So, um, so here, here is my response to this guy. Thank you for your polite and articulate email. I understand and appreciate your point. I'd encourage you to come to our next convention convention and discuss this with me and other party members. We have two strategic options to reach our goal of limited government. One gain electoral success two, make more libertarians. I think chasing electoral success is a naive strategy. Government is downstream from culture. As your email accurately illustrates, we are unlikely to have electoral success unless we reflect culture. The popular parties are the ones that are good at reflecting culture. There are libertarians in parliament right now. They can't even lower my damn taxes because culture will not allow it. As you point out, Canadians love big government. Ultimately, I don't get the point of telling people what they want to hear to get elected to an office where I'll be completely impotent. So I adopt the strategy that makes the most sense. If I want a restrained government, I need to make more libertarians. People who understand the proper role of government. People who understand that taxation is just a euphemism for theft. We will only ever have a restrained government when we have a tipping point of libertarians in Canada. To make more libertarians, we have to communicate our principles boldly and succinctly. We can't beat around the bush. We can do this in an empathetic way that appreciates how disruptive our ideas are to Canadians who are immersed in the zeitgeist of Canadian culture. I think your suggestion is the worst of both worlds in that it isn't likely to get us many more votes, maybe 3% instead of 2%, and it isn't likely to make more libertarians. I just, think, I just don't think this strategy that is trotted out as pragmatic is pragmatic or rational radicals change the world, not centrists, but I'm willing to be convinced. Otherwise you haven't done it with your email. This will require lively in-person debate. Maybe you'll convince me that there's a good reason to chase electoral success. If you can, if you can't convince me, maybe you can convince membership that your strategy is the way to go and have me ousted as leader respectfully, Tim. So that was my response to him. You know, I just, yeah, I encourage him to get involved. Like I, I don't want to dismiss these people again you know, my job as leaders to unify people and it's to bring them together on the same page. I want to do that with him. And, and I'm, yeah. I want to also lead with the fact that I might be completely wrong here. Like maybe the way to make more libertarians is to, is to soft sell the idea, get people in our folds a little bit and connected to the, to the party and supporting it, and then let them go down the rabbit hole from there. That was kind of the approach I took in 2015. And I think it had some success for sure. So I'm not willing to just openly dismiss it. His, his strategy might be a good strategy for getting people into the libertarian fold and exposing them to ideas um, that they otherwise wouldn't be. I don't know. I I think that is good to have a debate. So, but this is, you know, I bring this up as this is what we contend with, right? Right now, I've kind of been convinced more than ever that I just want to stop BSing, stop beating around yeah. the bush and just come succinctly to the point and let people hate on that. And let me take some booze and take my knocks and just empathetically and, and, uh, boldly state <laughs> what I believe and what I think, yeah. you know, is, is wrong with the ideas we're surrounded with. Um, so that's, that's one critic. Now the other critic is, um, are, are the radicals and, you know, I got a radical, he just sent a, dismissive tweet um saying like they they were that kind of bashing Nick Sarwark who's the chairman of the Libertarian Party in the US he's getting he's created quite a bit of controversy because he's very seems to be very sympathetic to leftists and very direct dismissive of of people on the right um you know he he's had a war with Tom Woods who seems like a golden libertarian to me like a, a good exemplar of of a libertarian who's as nice as can be and you know um but there's mm. some shady connections people make because he was he gives some talks at some some uh convention called league of the south that he, he's very interested in secession or something like that and he gave some talk at a secessionist organization back in the early 90s and then that's that organization over time became racist and he mm-hmm. disavowed it and wouldn't have anything more to do with it. But now because he of that talk, he's, you know, branded yeah. as a race, even though he's the least, you know. Anyways, uh, okay. Nick Sarwark gets all this, and this guy from Canada brought me into the mix. Yeah, Tim Moen is just another guy who wants the ring of power, right? Mm. So, and, and I understand that as well. Like, I was one of those guys, uh, you right. know, six months before I I became leader of the Libertarian Party, I wrote an article basically espousing that very viewpoint about how political action is immoral and voting is immoral and all these kinds of things. And, um, you know, I just looked at it rationally and realized I was wrong. I, I was right. convinced otherwise, right? And and so, you know, it, it bothered like all these ANCAPs who – dismiss people doing political action, going door to door, spreading the gospel of liberty, standing on that stage and saying unpopular things. Like, I don't know how this guy thinks I'm ever, I'm chasing the ring of power. Right. Like, uh, you know, I tweeted back a picture of my ring, which is actually a replica of the ring of power. I wear it, I wear it as a writing. I said, I'm already wearing the ring. Um, you know, it, and I, I put this, I, I wear this ring to remind myself that in my family, I have an involuntary relationship with my kids, um, you know, and, and that this power can corrupt me and I need to be, be interested in getting rid of that power and being a peaceful parent and helping mm. them and, and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, Cause I, I don't want to go down that path again. Cause I wasn't a great parent in, early in their early childhood. And mm. I, I wanted that to remind me. Um, so, So, and I mean, the idea that I think we're going to have electoral success. Well, I think I just explained why I think chasing electoral success is silly. And so at the end of the day, I have the exact same goal as this guy. I, I assume that because he's out there making arguments, he's trying to convince people they're wrong. I mean, he's not doing it very effectively. And again, we talked about this in the last episode with nonviolent communications, how libertarians aren't able to apply rationality to the way they move in the world and the way they show up in conversations and stuff. Like, what do you think this guy's goal is in trying to be dismissive of me? Is he just virtue signaling to other and right. Does he actually think he's promoting Liberty by shaming me or something like that? Does he think maybe if he shames me to not be leader of the libertarian party or be involved in politics that I will, that that, that will do the cause good. Um, <laughs> you know, like, and, and is that the best way to convince me? Right. Like that just wants to make me double down and say F you kind of thing, you know, but ultimately my letter, the, the letter that spurred a lot of this is aimed at radicals like this guy as well, radicals like I was like, if your goal yeah. is to promote Liberty and it's to get out there, I mean, why, why wouldn't, if you're an atheist, why wouldn't, why would you turn down an invitation to speak at the local mega church and stand on that stage where everyone can hear your message? Yeah. Like, do you, do you, do you take your ideas seriously or not? If you take them seriously, you take up that invitation. If you don't take them seriously, you, you send jabs at the atheist that's going into that church to preach to these people about uh, why everything they think about the world is wrong. Um, you know, uh, So it, it's silly to me. anyways.
0: My brain actually makes a link between this guy's premise and the last, crit- the last guy's premise that in Canada people are raised to have a certain view of the government. And so it is that the government, like, so in anyone who would want, like the the government is all powerful and that's wrong. And so to even pursue it, you'd only be pursuing the power. Whereas the last guy was like, the government is all powerful. We have to get that power to then help create more libertarians. Right. So there, I mean, I think the two of your critics agree in the role of government, and right. then they, they disagree on what you should do about that role, right? Right, but, right. So,
1: yeah, like here, here's the analogy if we're using the church. On the one hand, we have this pragmatic guy saying, listen, you have to pretend to be uh, a Muslim if you ever want to preach at that mosque. Like you, you're going right. to have to pretend to be an imam and go up there and just try to slowly influence people because they won't let you speak at that mosque unless you are one of them, right? Uh, on the other hand, we have a guy you know throwing jabs at me as I go into a mosque to preach to these people and explain why I think they 're wrong uh, yeah. about things, and both of these guys think that they' what they're doing is good right well listen i if I thought that um, that I could get electoral or that electoral success like maybe maybe there's a point to be made that this pragmatist makes that what we need to do is get power, that what we need to do is get into office and then we can spread the message. You know, I'm willing to hear that. Like, but if I wanted I mean, to do that, if, if that was the case, why wouldn't I join the conservative party or the liberal party?
0: And when just, I, the best example of that not working to me is Gail Winand in the fountainhead, right? He gets all of this power by giving people what they want, thinking that he has some control over them. But then he realizes or oh, if I try and do anything other than give them what they want, my power is gone.
1: Right. right.
0: Exactly. You, you sell them something and then that's what gives you power.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you're trapped by the very yeah. chains. Yeah. I mean, you put the chains on yourself basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's my case. I, I thought maybe doing a podcast or talking about this stuff would help both radicals and pragmatists see where I'm coming from and say, "Look, look we can have unity here. Uh, we have we share ninety. First of all, ninety five percent of the same goal. You know, mm-hmm. we can agree that taxation is theft. We can agree that we want to limit uh, initiatory force and, and and respect property rights. But as long the as guy, you have- the
0: first critic, doesn't seem to think that taxation is theft.
1: Well, I I don't know, right? I, I, he says 50 tax is fine. Well, I'll be charitable here and and say that what he's saying is that uh, it's, it's gonna it, it's gonna be an easier time for him to communicate libertarian ideas if he doesn't if he doesn't get dismissed from the outgo as a nut, mm-hmm. right? And maybe this is a way of doing that. Like we have okay. a serious platform here that people will take seriously, and then we can. Eventually, reveal that we're nuts,
0: or something. Okay. Yeah.
1: Right. Or and and there's some there's some merit to that. I, I think it worked somewhat well in the past election. Um, although certainly there were some radicals in our group that didn't run because they're like, "Oh, I can't advocate 15% rape," uh, you know. Right. And you know, I can't blame either. Right. So. And, and I I just realized that look we had Gary Johnson and Bill Weld and they were very pragmatic and they were established statesmen and politicians and governors, and you know I I don't think they did much better than a radical would have done in terms terms of vote counts mm-hmm. like a you know a a nice radical right like someone who who came off as prop prim and proper and not crazy, yeah. uh, but was saying things that were just totally different yeah you know that that is what we need to do so we need to wear the suit and tie we need to be stand-up people we need to be people like in as an individual have a character that can't easily be dismissed like if we go in there all disheveled and wearing a tinfoil hat <laughs> um, or a giant boot on our head, like Vermin yeah. Supreme or something. Yeah, they're probably going to miss our idea. I mean, th- then again, Vermin Supreme is doing something completely different. You know, he's he's a satirist and he is just, he's doing something valuable, I think, in terms of just e- exposing how ridiculous the whole political system is yeah. and kind of embodied. But then again, I think Donald Trump might be doing some of that as well. So, um, yeah. you know, anyways, uh, yeah, so, so. So, so to me, I'm just at this point, it's like, I don't want to beat around the bush anymore. And maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe someone convince me otherwise. I don't think I am, but I'll, I'll give these, this guy the opportunity uh, to convince me. And at the end of the day, like if the party membership wants some other direction or some other. Right. Um, strategy, then uh, you know, the, it, it shouldn't be too hard to dethrone me. Uh, yeah. You know, so.
0: Yeah. For my part, I think like, I, I think I've said multiple times that I think it's you have to take the radical approach you have to stand for the principles and that's why I'm disengaged from politics is because right. there's too many people who advocate otherwise and you have to do the the longer term work but you've reconvinced me throughout this conversation that there is value in the political aspect of it at all in that institution and what it can serve because I had been Yeah like uh, imagine if we could
1: run run on a campaign slogan that said make income tax temporary again, or something like that. Mm. You know, introduce the idea in a kind of a smart marketing way that the income tax is immoral. Point out the fact that it was brought in temporarily and we still have it. There's mm. nothing more permanent than a temporary government program, mm. uh, as uh, Thomas Sowell said, I think. And so, or no, it was Friedman, I think. Um, so, you know, I think that would, that would have some power. Like we can catch them. And and listen, I, I understand. Like, I don't think this guy even read the platform he was running on because he talked about this voluntary head tax, which is something I I kicked around as an idea at first. But if you look at our official platform, it's not that at all. It's like, let's get rid of the income tax. Yeah. We'll, in the meantime, while we're transitioning to a voluntary form of taxation, uh, we'll go with a 5%, we'll keep the 5% GST and that can fund our military police and and justice system um and that at least the sales tax is somewhat voluntary like you don't have to buy things new or whatever Mm. um you know so you can get around it to some degree uh you can consume a little bit less and, and that'll save you taxes whatever but that that could be a stop so that's that is a way of showing people how listen we can get rid of the income tax right
0: yeah.
1: And and also connecting it to the idea that listen, we want to right. get rid of all tax all these involuntary taxes because tax involuntary taxation is theft. It's immoral.
0: I think we'll have to draw a line and maybe talk about this more later because I think you're not going to convince people to that they should have lower taxes because they want the government programs. Right. So it's sure just saying we can cut taxes. Like, yeah, people all in theory want lower taxes, but people also love the government programs. So I think, yeah, well, and, I, and that's what, the, and that's what this guy's say.
1: point was, right. Is like that people love all their yeah. taxes. They love the thing. And you know, that's the problem though. Right. The problem is if Canadians didn't love taxes, this would be easy, right? We'd already have a libertarian government. <laughs> we wouldn't uh, need to do this. Yeah. Uh, but our goal is to convince people, canadians why they're wrong and why canadian culture sucks
0: yeah all right thanks tim
1: cool thank you david